Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Welcome to another episode of the Rethink Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Kirat Anand. And with me today is another global retail leader, Corey Farrell. Corey Farrell is the COO of Misfits Market. Corey, thank you for being here today with us. Yeah, excited to be here. Karat, nice to meet you. Corey, let's just jump right in. For some of our listeners out there who might not be familiar with Misfits Market, can you provide us with a bit of an overview, some insights on your company's mission? and how you're different from some of the other food e-commerce sites? Yeah, absolutely. Look, food waste is a massive problem in the United States and actually globally. Almost one third of food produced in the US goes to waste. It's a staggering amount. And Misfits Market was founded to tackle this problem. And so the mission that Misfits Market is on is to eliminate food waste, to make shopping for high quality grocery items, easy and affordable for consumers. And so what we do is we work with farmers and CPG companies to find products that they would otherwise not be sold through retail channels. Oftentimes what we procure from farmers are items that are maybe discolored and don't meet the conventional retail standards or misshapen peppers, maybe larger cauliflower than what a, a retailer might typically offer, and or maybe a mislabeled package in a CPG product. What we do is we procure that product from those farmers or from those CPG companies, and then we offer it for sale to customers on our website. And we supplement that assortment with everyday, high quality, sustainable products so that customers do have more options available to them for a traditional kind of grocery shopping experience. We are focused on solving kind of a large food waste problem in a sustainable way. So we offer sustainable and affordable groceries to consumers. It's quite authentic, your sustainability efforts, because I've heard you say waste at least five times in that answer. <laughs> so, um, and that stat is, is staggering. About one third of the food produced in this country going to waste. That's that's horrible, man. That's horrible. You talked about food coloring. I mean, I know for a fact my girlfriend pays extra for purple broccoli, yellow carrots, and red carrots, not orange carrots. So if you have discolored food, sometimes we're paying a premium for it. So it depends on how you market it, right? That's a good point. You know, the tricolored carrots can be appealing. Tricolored carrots, yeah. purple. Cauliflowers, those are all great. But let's get back to the mission, right? Sustainability. You talked about converting trash to treasure, finding value for the customer, for your consumer, maybe that arbitrage on that second and third quality so you can go from form to fulfillment to table. I mean, that's what I heard, right? Am I, am I, am I hearing you correctly? That's and exactly right. Like yep. Sustainability is at the core of your mission. Can you share how Misfit Market can enhance that sustainability effort through either sourcing, packaging, partnering with some of the, the farmers or, or the CPG brands? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for us, as I mentioned in the beginning, 
you know, it starts with the products that we're able to source from farmers or from CPG companies that would otherwise not be sold and would just go to waste. And how do we do that? Why aren't traditional retailers also doing this? And part of this is like educating consumers on, hey, this item may not look like your traditional pepper. Maybe it's a green pepper, but it's got a little bit of red mixed in with it. Or maybe it's a misshapen pepper. It doesn't meet the conventional retail standards, but it's perfectly healthy. And this is very natural for these produce and vegetables to grow in these kind of unconventional ways. So there is a consumer kind of education element to it. And then there's also just building those relationships and, and having a network of farmers and CBG companies that know, yeah, there is an outlet for this. We don't just have to leave it in the field. We can pick it and we can sell it through Misfits. So we've spent a lot of work over time in kind of building those relationships, making sure that we have a network, like I said, of, of farmers and CPG companies uh, that know we're available to, to sell these products to consumers. So I think that's number one. Karat, you asked about uh, packaging as well. We want to be able to deliver fresh produce to customers with high quality. And that means that in a lot of cases, we do need to make sure that there's temperature control, appropriate temperature control in the packaging. Uh, of the delivery, but we've also built out a first party delivery network. So our own fleet of vans, our own refrigerated middle mile network in our supply chain with our own workforce. And when we make those deliveries to consumers, we have a lot of control over all legs of the supply chain. And so we're actually able to take a lot of the packaging out. We use minimal amounts of packaging in those first party deliveries. And for the packaging that we do use, we actually pick it up. If we deliver a gel pack and a foil liner to keep the products cold and make sure that we maintain the temperature, if they leave it on their doorstep on the next delivery, we'll pick it up and we'll recycle it on their behalf, or we will actually reuse it, sanitize it and reuse it in a future delivery. That's great because it, I'm assuming because you're subscription based, so you know, you're going to go there the following week or the following few days and drop up a box and pick up a box. Is that, is that, is that the full process? Yeah. It's not necessarily the cardboard boxes themselves because those are curbside recyclable. But if you purchase some chicken from us, we will put that chicken inside of a foil liner bag an insulated bag with cold packs to make sure it maintains the appropriate temperature control. And so that foil bag and the, the cold pack, there's not a, an easy way for consumers to recycle that. And so we will yeah. pick those up so that the consumer doesn't have to throw it away. So it, it, you talked about relationships, right? With your suppliers, with your farmers, with your brands. Are some of these exclusive? And is this like a private label program similar to a Trader Joe's? Or is it a combination with some household brands and, and nationwide brands? Can you talk about what that mix is? Yeah, we do have a private label brand. It's called Odds and Ends. And... That brand consists of both products that you might find in a traditional private label assortment that have a certain quality standard, but offer great price quality equation. So a great value equation, but we also have differentiated mission aligned assortment in our private label, uh, products in odds and ends as well. So upcycled, uh, products, we just won an award for 
uh, a jasmine rice that contains more, uh, a higher ratio of broken pieces of rice than would traditionally be served in a, a normal rice package. And so we're trying to find every way that we can to take food waste out of the equation. And upcycling is one of those that we do a lot within our private label. So that's probably, I would say, maybe 20% of our assortment is private label and the remainder is traditional CPG brands, though our brands slant towards high quality, sustainable, in many cases, kind of upcycled on their own. And so we're looking for those opportunities to present customers with very healthy options that also meet our sustainability bar. Yeah. Congratulations on the Jasmine Rice Award. Being Indian, I think I lean more basmati rice, so I'm looking for the awards <laughs> and the uh, innovation there. You talked about supply chain. I mean, being a CEO, I assume you have tremendous visibility into your supply chain. And we can't talk about grocery today without, or in the last, I guess, 24 months without talking about the inflationary pressures. Inflation has come down, yes, but it's still 4%. So costs are still going up by 4%. They're not going up by 8% anymore, but they're still going up. We heard Doug McMillan just a few weeks ago talk about rising costs. We also know freight costs are going up, labor costs are increasing. Can you tell us how you're able to maintain the value and the price for your customer? Yeah, it's a challenge for sure. You know, the global pandemic, geopolitical issues have all resulted in increases across all legs of the supply chain. One of the things that we found is scale really matters. So order volume and customer volume and just scale is so important to maintaining a low cost structure. One of the activities that Misfits did about a year ago was made an acquisition of Imperfect Foods. And yeah. that acquisition brought scale and order volume that we were able to leverage to reduce our overall cost structure. And we have this first party delivery, last mile delivery network. I think most companies that run D2C kind of e-commerce fulfillment know that logistics costs are the largest costs that you face outside of the cost of the product itself. And with scale, we're able to get a lot of leverage over in our first party delivery network, because we have a set of fixed assets that as our volume grows, our costs largely maintain stable, or we're able to get more density in our last mile routes. And so that's another way that we've been able to manage through in an inflationary environment, maintaining low cost structure, and in some cases, even passing cost savings on to the consumer and lower prices. So when was the last time you raised subscription uh, costs or prices, I should say, the subscription service cost to the customer? We don't really charge a price for the subscription. We charge for the food that the customer purchases. The way to think about our model is as a consumer, you're signing up for a weekly delivery of produce and CPG products, meat, seafood, dairy as well. That is fully in your control on what you want as part of that delivery. Okay. The subscription element of it is really that in a traditional e-commerce grocery model, uh, you'll add items to your cart and then you'll push a button that says, I want to place my order now. In our okay. model, we pre-populate your cart of items that you have told us you like or of items that we think you'll like based on your past purchase history. So there's some personalization technology that we have in place. Then 
we provide you an opportunity to shop in our store for a, you know, a fixed period of time. And then the, there's a cutoff time at which point the subscription order is placed. It's a little bit of a different than a traditional subscription model where you're paying maybe a, a fixed fee. It really varies based on what you want to buy from us. What, what, what is the mix of the subscription revenue versus that a la carte customer, which you call blend? Is there a rate that you can share with us or can you give us some insights to that? How many customers are doing a la carte versus just subscription or subscription and a la carte? Can you give us some percentages around that? Yeah. The bulk of our business is our subscription business for sure. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. So it's, it seems like you're growing market share and the customers are loving the, the, the on-bulk color vegetables or whatever. How are you competing and growing this market share in, in a very crowded space with some very large players with some of the biggest balance sheets? I mean, you're predecessor firm, Amazon, with its fresh and pantry and Target with Shipped. How are you competing with some of these large grocers? Grocery is a very competitive space. What the service and the value that we're offering is A, kind of backed by sustainability and science. We are doing something that nobody else is doing and trying to fight food waste as the primary kind of element of our value proposition. We fight food waste. We pass the savings that we get from procuring those products onto the consumer. So we have kind of sustainability and affordability, which is not really a vector that you see a lot of grocery companies really placing as their core value proposition to the consumer. And we believe that there's tailwinds across both of those. I think everybody wants to have more affordable groceries. That's of course a tailwind that if we're able to offer that enduring value in that uh, proposition to the consumer and sustainability is just, you know, you see it all the time with the climate change impact and the growing kind of youth in this country and even, even worldwide, just having responsible practices, sustainable practices as a part of a company, we believe are tailwinds will serve us well as we continue to grow. Yeah. You touched upon the importance of sustainability with the Gen Z and alpha consumer, which obviously resonates. Also, I think there was a big push during the pandemic with the adoption for D to C direct delivery for grocery, right? We were all locked up. Um, Whole Foods was delivering it for free to your doors. There was a lot going on. Um, you have now rapidly grown and, and, and now we're post pandemic. Are you seeing so, somewhat of a drop off in subscription? Are you seeing now that people are back in grocery stores or how are you seeing the evolution evolve or have people just become accustomed to, like you mentioned, you, you sign on for the subscription. There's a personalization effect. Your misbid algorithms know what I like and I just get it to my door regularly. Is there some stickiness on the platform? Can you walk us through that sort of how the evolution of the post-pandemic is playing into, in, into your platform? Yeah, I think we have observed something similar to most online grocery companies where consumer behavior really accelerated towards online adoption in the grocery space during the pandemic when you had your quarantine at home mandates and just general unease with shopping in a brick and mortar store. So that elevated and probably I would say, I think most companies probably say it pulled forward a whole bunch of demand several years. And so we benefited from that in that we were able to acquire a lot of customers that maybe weren't quite ready to try online grocery delivery. 
And we have seen kind of a shift in demand as most online grocery companies have. As the pandemic has waned, there is a return to physical shopping that we have encountered as well. But as I mentioned before, the value proposition around sustainability and affordability that we offer is a sticky value proposition to the consumers that we do have. Do, do you see stores in your future? And, and I say this because your predecessor firm, when Bezos was starting Amazon, he said, we will never, ever own inventory. I think Amazon owns inventory today. <laughs> Amazon owns a lot so, of inventory. Yeah. So knowing that, knowing that today, will you say categorically there will never be stores in Misfits Market's future? There'll be no Misfit actual market for me to go to. Oh, I, I don't know that I can I can stand behind a, a claim today. I will say in the foreseeable future, that is not in our plans. That's fair. Yeah, you, you talked a little bit about your partnership with, with CPG brands, right? And and it's a way for you to incubate maybe new brands, test products, reach new customers, enter a different geography or market like zip code. Could you elaborate on some of these strategies? Yeah. I, I mean, I think first and foremost, it starts off with the value proposition to the consumer. We want to offer high quality, healthy, sustainable options that uh, are affordable also to the customer, which is not something you find in all grocery stores. And so as we start to go and develop relationships with CPG brands, that's what we are asking and looking for. And from there, we, we do pride ourselves in, in finding delicious, high quality, sustainable offerings for customers. and making connections with some of the smaller brands that are out there that are looking to get, maybe haven't quite got a foothold in broad scale retail yet, but have an opportunity to introduce their brand on our website to our consumers. And our consumers are looking for that. You know, we have a limited assortment and we rotate that assortment and we rotate the brands through. And so there is a little bit of an element of a treasure hunt. Like what's the next great thing that I can find on Misfits that we do look to cultivate as part of the, the offering. Uh, and so there's a benefit to the consumer. There's also a benefit to some of the smaller CPG brands that maybe don't have their brand out in major retail outlets yet. That is an element of our strategy. It is, you know, something that we talk about as we're going and establishing new relationships with upcoming brands. We also offer marketing opportunities on our website to build brands for some of these smaller companies as well. A multi-pronged approach to how we're trying to uh, attract some of these smaller brands. You, you know, Corey, in the effort to balance your approach and mission, and, and I could see it's very authentic, the sustainability and the cost efficiencies of grocery delivery with the ever important demand of the consumer who wants their groceries today. Like sometimes I know what I'm eating for dinner a few hours before I go to the grocery store, right? So how do you build or balance that approach to sustainable, cost-efficient, value-delivered grocery. You talked about some having first-party delivery networks. With that demand of ultra-fast, maybe you're doing next day today, but and eventually same-day delivery, customer need. Yeah, the ultra-fast, same-day convenience is actually not part of the value proposition that we offer. So we've actually taken a different approach. We've said we want to offer convenience in that exactly the day that you will get your products. We have a weekly subscription. We'll deliver it to your house on a defined day. We'll notify you that day of when to expect the delivery. 
it isn't, you know, two hours from now. And the reason for that is twofold. Number one, it is much more cost efficient. We can be a lot more efficient if we can plan out our deliveries. We actually take an approach where we segment the delivery areas into zones. So if you think about like Boston, for example, we will take the, the delivery areas that we deliver to in Boston and we'll slice it up into a pie. And we'll, on Monday, we'll deliver to only one portion of the pie. And Tuesday, we'll deliver to another portion of the pie. And the reason for that is it allows us to get density in our last mile delivery, which means we're driving less miles, we're more fuel efficient, we're emitting less greenhouse gases, and it's lower cost for us. That is a different value proposition than a lot of the instant grocery delivery, but there are advantages to it, both in sustainability and cost structure. And we're able to pass the lower costs on to customers through free shipping or low shipping fees. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you talked about personalization a little bit. We can't have any retail grocery or conversation today without mentioning the two famous letters, AI or Gen AI. So can you talk about how Misfits Markets is basically using maybe AI or personalization and the evolving D2C industry. I mean, is it safe to say you're a, a grosser version of Stitch Fix maybe in, in a way we're kind of like, we know what you like, we'll, we'll put it in a box for you and get it out your door? Yeah, that, that <laughs> might be a little bit of a, a stretch to say we're banking on a personalized shopping experience as the, the core element of the value proposition. I think the core element of our value proposition really is sustainable and affordable kind of access. We want to make sure that when you shop in our store, we're doing the best we can to highlight products that we think you want to pre-fill your cart with items that you've told us you like, or that we think you'll want, but we've got a ways to go to, to make that a kind of a core element of the offering. If I'm being candid and transparent with you, uh, I do think it is something that we want to do. That is an area where I can't really share specific details, but is an area that we are looking at to see if there, there are things that we can do that will uniquely position us to do that better than others. That's fair. You know, this is just a private conversation with the two of us. Feel free to share any details you'd like. Let's talk about the industry and how it's evolving in terms of different strategies that you can implement. I mean, let's move away from the packaging or the personalization. Where do you see the D2C e-commerce grocery space going? And how do you continuously maintain uh, your, your growth and your trajectory? I mean, I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record here. <laughs> I mean, I firm, I think you're going to hear me talk about sustainability and affordability and over and over again, because I, I do feel like that is where the industry is headed. I think customers are looking for healthy options in their grocery choices. They're looking for right. sustainability. I believe that all D to C companies in particular in the CPG space should be really thinking about those two elements. How do we make our offering to the consumer more sustainable? How do we make it more affordable? I think those are enduring over time. And I think I've talked a little bit about our approach to those. It's, it's kind of embedded in the offering to the customer. And I think that if as a brand or a D2C company, if you can find a way to build a business around that offering, kind of sustainability is a core component of what you're offering. I think that makes it a lot easier to execute on. 
if it isn't a core part of the offering, then you find yourself kind of making these trade-offs between cost and sustainability in some cases. And there are ways that you can achieve both. In a lot of cases, they go hand in hand. If you're able to reduce waste, that inherently is more sustainable and it's a lower cost structure for you. And one of the things that we're doing, maybe that I haven't mentioned before, is within our fulfillment centers, there's a certification for zero waste. I don't know if you've heard about this, but it's a true zero waste certification that effectively means that your fulfillment center is diverting waste away from landfill. You go through this process of going through all the waste streams in the facility and identifying ways that you can not put that into a landfill. And so we're going yeah. through that process in all of our fulfillment centers and it, it reduces costs and is a more sustainable solution. Uh, so that's, that's another, well, that's, that's another way that, you know, other companies maybe that don't have that kind of sustainability as a core part of their offering might be able to find costs and sustainability options in their operation. No, it's, it, 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 it's definitely apparent. Uh, sustainability is paramount at, at Misfits Market from the way you source the way you ship and the way you package and obviously for redistribution centers. What you mentioned maybe second quality or things that are discolored or what percentage of things would you say, if you can just give us some sort of insights for our things. And when a customer receives in their box, they're like, this orange is just not, doesn't look like I shouldn't be in the purple orange. Like what percentage <laughs> of things do come back or, or are returned? Can you yeah. share some of that? Yeah, it's really low. It's a low percentage and it's, it's low single digits. And the reason for that is we do a lot, we do work to communicate to the customer upfront when they're shopping, what kind of imperfection the, the item has, like if it has blemishes or scars or if it's discolored, or if it's maybe smaller than they might see in a traditional uh, grocery store. So we will tell the customer up front when they're shopping to expect that. That's great to know. And in terms of customer retention and things like that, I mean, can, can you share some insights on that? Or will SoftBank get a little upset if, if we start sharing yeah. some more details? I think that is not something that, the specific details on customer retention isn't something I can share. That's fair. You, you know, I, we know retail groceries a copycat lake, right? I mean, Walmart copied a lot of the success that happened at Amazon with Marketplace, et cetera, retail media networks. I mean, what stops, and I'm trying to think, what stops you guys have had tremendous success in a very almost cult-like, you know, very loyal following. What stops somebody from a big balance sheet coming in and saying, you know what, these guys are doing it right. We need to start a discolored second quality sort of offering that's more sustainable so we can maybe get some of those younger customers. Is there any defensibility? Is there something that you guys have built up? Is there some economic moat that's gonna, gonna beat off these big behemoths? Yeah, uh, I think the thing that makes our model challenging is it's non-standard. So when you think about how Walmart and Amazon have operated to scale and get the efficiency that they operate. They build standard processes across every element of their supply chain. And when one week you have an, an orange that has blemishes on it, another week you have an orange that is maybe a lot larger than a traditional orange, your products are non-standard. It's not just an orange anymore. There's like 10 variants of an orange potentially. 
you, you need to be thoughtful in building your supply chain to handle that, those non-standard deviations while still maintaining efficiency and still maintaining a good customer experience. And it requires effort. And so I think that is a barrier for new customers in the space. With that said, we would welcome other retailers trying to help us tackle food waste. So I don't think I necessarily believe that we are the only company that can be out here doing this. It is such a huge problem that I think we would welcome opportunities to sell even more or tackle this in different ways. I love that. So, so tell me if I'm a brand or if I'm a technology or a startup and I want to market my product or my services and solution to Misfits Market, how do I do that? I don't know if I have an answer for you, Kirat. I would say reach out to my team, but I don't have something off the, uh, I don't have a... You want to just give us your cell phone number, <laughs> right. right? Your core? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. I already get thousands of phone calls every day from... Uh, yeah. from <laughs> no. no, that's a... No, that, no, that, no, we have a lot of technology suppliers and, and platforms and startups and services that are part of our audience. And I'm sure they're super excited. You guys are growing at unbelievable speed. You have some of the best investors from Apollo to SoftBank. You touched upon it. I mean, Abhi and you have created a great team. You've got great acquisitions and you're resonating, like you said, with the most important audience. And I tried to throw some hardballs there, not, not only soft tosses. And I think you really hit them well. So at this point, I want to switch now to what we call a really fun section called rapid fire questions. And, and then that's it. Then you're done, Corey. I promise. All right. Is that okay with you? Let's go for it. All right. So rapid fire. What is your favorite discolored vegetable or fruit that you've got in your surprise box that you never tried before? And you're like, wow, this was amazing. Uh, Romanesco. Have you tried? Do you know Romanesco? It's amazing. I'd never seen it before uh, I joined Misfits. I now get it every single week. Okay. Love it. Okay, very cool. So what is the top selling item at Misfits Market? Oh, you caught me with an answer I don't know. I think the answer is avocados. Oh, that's probably a good one. Versus Amazon or Walmart, just like whatever, Kroger, some of the bigger guys, what's your average discount? Well, I mean, I'm a pricing guy. So what's the average discount? So if I get my basket and one of those, and I know they're all not the same, but they're relative. What's the average discount? on my basket when I check out of Misfits? You know, we offer items at 30 to 40% off in many cases. I can't share the average discount, but I can say that we are targeting a 30 to 40% off on those items that we can save from food waste. You, you had me at 30, so you don't even need to go to 40. And, and, and the last one, what's the one big trend you'd want your team to get ahead of for 2024? Yeah, I think upcycling is a big trend that we're really going after is finding ways in the manufacturing byproduct that often goes to waste, finding ways to use that to make uh, great, delicious and healthy food. Well, Corey, I, I know I'm not alpha and I'm definitely not Gen Z, but I think you just won me as a customer. Hopefully you win a lot more of our listeners as customers. This was a lot of fun from my side. Thank you for sharing some insights on how you've grown the business and and your sustainable mission and what you continue to stand and fight for. So this is a pleasure from my side. Thank you for it. Absolutely. It's great talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, 
apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.